coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. It doesn't have to be extremely difficult, but generally those types of releases get anywhere between 8 and 14 articles, different Mm -hmm. unique articles written about you based off of that uh, survey. And the important thing is just to realize that you're not speaking for your industry forever. You're just taking their temperature on today, how they feel about certain things. And there Mm -hmm. are things right now that a lot of people would be interested in. It's like, are people spending more, spending less? Are they having hiring pains? Are they... They hiring less, hiring more, you know, going to remote, you know, how, what, what's it look like? Because a lot mm-hmm. of people are trying to figure this out post pandemic and uh, they would love to get some numbers that you're, you're going through something that they're going through. And it, it just makes people feel like they're on the same page. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Mickey Kennedy, who is the founder and president of e-releases. So as business owners today, we're all trying to get more publicity, more eyeballs, more notice for whatever it is that we are promoting. And in today's industry or in today's market, our customers' attention is getting more and more difficult to be able to to grab. So today with Mickey, we talk about press releases and how to do them properly. Uh, Mickey has been in the PR industry for many, many years, and we, we talk about some of the challenges, some of the things that a lot of people do wrong, and we talk about the things that people are doing right with the press releases. And done correctly, a press release can be a huge, huge benefit for your company to, to be able to generate you know additional eyeballs, additional revenue. He, he tells a story, just a real, real brief story during our conversation about how people People that he that that have created these press releases, their company always sees an uptick in sales whenever they do a press release. And what we talk about is the difficulties of tracking those press releases, but we really dive into what to do correctly so that the press releases that you do release have the best opportunity to be able to generate as much reach and as many impressions and pickups as what you possibly can get. So learned a lot in this episode. We've done some press releases before in the past, and we have not done any of the techniques that Mickey talks about. So we're going to go back and revisit that. So if you're a company who is looking for publicity, which what company isn't today, check out this episode. You're going to want to pick up some of the techniques and uh, maybe even subscribe to some of the things that Mickey talks about and learn a little bit more about the entire process. So great, great episode. I hope you enjoy today's episode of Pass the Secret Sauce. It was mostly until I was around 11, uh, normal 
you know, we sit down, mother cooked dinner. And then after that, my father died. So my mother was always working. And so mm-hmm. it was just whatever you pulled out of the freezer and put in the oven. Yep. Yep. I, I know those days all too well too. My, uh, my father passed away when I was 16. So a little older than you, but uh, same kind of, same kind of deal. So, but w- growing up, were you, did you have any type of entrepreneurial tendencies or anything like that? I, I know that obviously, you know, with losing a parent, you probably were a little bit more uh, uh, self-sufficient than what you know, other kids may have been, but uh, you know, did you show anything, any yeah. early signs of your know, business I prowess did. I, and whatnot? I sold candy at recess and uh, you know, I would buy like a two for five cent type candy and take it there and sell it for a dime each or three, four quarter. And uh, I, I did that for a long time and it worked pretty well through middle school. Yeah. Very cool. What was, what was the hot seller for you? Do you remember? Candy barrels. They were like little oh. barrels. I, a lot of people see root bear barrels, okay. but uh, these were fruit colored. I think they might've also had root beer as well. Uh, interesting. Ours was Jolly Ranchers. I was the Jolly Rancher slinger, you know, so. <laughs> so, so yeah. So what uh, did you start your own businesses early? Were, did you jump into entrepreneurialism early on or was it something that? I did. I, I worked for someone and I, just realized I could do this myself. And I started a, I was, I was writing news clips, basically like executive briefs on Mm -hmm. a particular industry for a trade association. And I thought I could do this. So I, I had a topic at the time, repetitive stress injuries that was getting a lot of exposure and human resources publications Mm -hmm. and other places. So I thought that would be a good thing. And I launched it and it didn't do very well. And so that was like my first lesson. And then I started a email newsletter business, I think in like, probably like 1997, 1998. And uh, it did really well. At one point, it was doing forty, fifty thousand a month in advertising wow. revenue. Wow! And then the dot com crash happened, and it went to zero in a matter yeah. of two months. It yeah. went from forty some thousand to zero in two months, and yeah. that's when I was like, I knew that uh, that wasn't a sustainable model for me. So I, uh, I, I fortunately sold some of the list at the time because some people didn't believe that this was going to be, you know, that we would recover from it. Yeah. And uh, one of the lists that I had was uh, media. And uh, I had contacted all these journalists and asked them if I could send them interesting stories. And that was the only thing that still continued after that. And it was uh, basically the engine that drove e-releases. And so uh-huh. I just kept at that. Interesting. Interesting. So you... I mean, number one, you you were collecting emails before I'm sure a lot of people even had email addresses, right? I mean, what right. was what was it like early in those early days, you know, trying to trying to launch that type of a business when again people were still like, what is the internet at, at this right. point? So it was a little bit of the wild wild west, but there was lots of sites that had traffic and were looking to monetize. And I would say, hey, could you put check boxes on your website and collect email addresses as people register. There was a lot yeah. of lotto sites, uh, uh, free lotto and stuff like that, that would just get millions of visitors. And so uh, they were looking to monetize. And so they would do that. You had to watch them because every once in a while, they put the check on there that was already pre-checked. And oh, so the yeah. people weren't really opting in. They were just, you know, here's a bunch of stuff that you're, you're, you're is being forced. So I, I would have to check on them but for the yeah. most part it worked pretty well they just were trying to make more money so. yeah 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 yeah. so so 
you 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 sold some of the list you you got involved more in the i guess the media side of things what was what were some of the things that you were helping you know helping these i i keep wanting to say like help a reporter out because you know obviously that's kind of what you were doing before that but you know what was what were some of the things that you were were doing to connect these people these reporters with these interesting stories like were you did you have did you have some kind of a site where you're generating or or you know trying to find or seek these interesting stories or I was pitching myself on a lot of groups. I think Link Exchange was a big community mm-hmm. back then of people. And I would, uh, you know, say, Hey, I've, I've got a list of 10,000 journalists who have opted in to receive content from me. And if you have interesting messages, I'll put it in front of them for like $200 or something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And that was mostly how I found the customers. The journalist was the easy part because, you know, most of the stuff was pretty public and you could just call and ask to speak to someone. And if you told them, Hey, I'd like to send you relevant press releases, they would give you their email address. It's the exact opposite now where they don't want their email addresses out there and exposed, but it was a novelty at the time. And I think a lot of journalists appreciated the curation that we did because we would, we did a digest roundup and it it was Mm -hmm. very popular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, makes, makes perfect sense. How did you, I guess, leap into more of the, you know, helping people get, you know, get promoted and get published and, and, you know, what was the genesis to, to really start springboarding into that, that avenue of things? Right. So before I left my job, my, my second job, I was working at a telecom research company and doing day tips on the side. And we were sending out press releases through fax. And I just, oh, wow. I just looked into where to, how to send out a press release through other means because faxing is very inefficient. It, yeah. I literally spent two days punching in numbers. Uh, it held a hundred numbers and we had 190 people we needed to reach. So unfortunately <laughs> I had to delete them all and oh, then, and then, uh, you know, program the, the second half. And I did make an appeal to let's get a second fax machine and program a first hundred numbers here. And they were like, Oh, they're like $2,000. We can't yeah. justify that. Your time isn't worth that much to us. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, saw that as I was faxing, I would get journalists calling me and saying, hey, you publish a lot of numbers and statistics. Do you have that in Microsoft Word? You could just email us. It's easier for us to work with. And that's where I felt like email was so much smoother and easier. Mm -hmm. And that was my goal. And at the time, there was nobody really sending out releases. There was no presence. You could use the wire, which was very expensive at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I launched it as a standalone to help entrepreneurs and uh, Basically, anybody who, you know, wants to get the messaging out, authors, uh, speakers, you know, lots of different people. And and now we're seeing a big trend where even established authors are being expected to do their own marketing. And mm-hmm. so they're, you know, leaning on services like e-releases. Interestingly, the Newswire approached us uh, many years ago and said, you should also send through us. And I pointed out that they charge like $1,000 to move a 500-word press release nationally. And so, you know, I, I, I showed them who my customers were and what their price points were. And, and we sort of crafted a custom solution for us that sort of takes into account the people that we already reached through email mm-hmm. and also their their workflow they have an overnight editorial staff that doesn't do very much but they got to be there because there yeah. might be a recall or breaking news or something and they they have to be available so we set up all of our releases uh, by default for the next business day so that they can work on it during that downtime and it doesn't cost them any additional labor 
That makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, what what types of results, or what what type? Yeah, I guess what types of results are you able to to capture for your your customers? What what's um what are some of the things that they've you know received because of some of the exposure that you've been able to to capture for them? Right. So early in the pandemic, we did a release for the Dining Bond Initiative, which was sort of set up on the war bond concept. Mm-hmm. And basically, you could nominate a local favorite restaurant that was closed right now because they all were closed. And uh, if they accepted, they would contact them. And if they accepted, you could make a, what would basically be a donation backed by a gift certificate. And so it generated over 150 articles at last count. Wow. Wall Street Journal, New York Times, all the food trade publications picked it up, like 50 local newspapers across the U.S., and it also got international pickup, and they started adding international restaurants to the list, and it did really well. I think it generated an excess of $10 million in revenue to help restaurants, and and like I said, hundreds of articles from one press release, and so that's an extreme example of if you've got something that's extremely newsworthy and very timely and yeah. at that time, it was a, sort of a pressure relief from all the negative news. Here was yeah. something very positive. Here was something you could do that was actionable and to help in, in your local market. And I think that's why it did so well. But, you know, it's not unusual for someone to have a successful press release and get like, you know, four to six articles you know, written about them. Mm-hmm. But that being said, the bulk of my customers get no media pickup. And it's because they come to me with a press release that's already been written. And, you know, I, I, I can't control the, 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 the ammo that they're using. Mm-hmm. And it's usually the safe press releases, the, the new company hires, the things that really don't move the needle, needle on newsworthiness. Yeah. And my job and my, my promotion of late has been trying to get them to do more strategic types of press releases. For example, I have one type of press release that's never failed. Every client that I've said, you do this, has gotten media pickup, 100%, mm-hmm. but it takes a little work. And that's like researching your industry, doing us through a survey or study. And it doesn't have to be crazy difficult. Survey Monkey makes it very easy to create a, a survey. I always say throw a couple oddball questions towards the end of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the multi-page approach. So if someone gives up halfway through the survey, you've still got their results from the first half. Yeah, And the big you know, stumbling block a lot of people have is, well, I, I don't know who to send it to. And there are thousands, tens of thousands of trade associations. And there are many in your industry that would be willing to send that survey to their members and promote it on social media just for being mentioned in a press release and just tell them, I'm doing this survey. I will be mentioning you in the press release. They see it as a win-win. The small and independent trade associations really see it as a win-win. The larger trade associations, I would leave alone because they like to control the content and they're mm-hmm. just so harder to work with. But the, there are lots of uh, small independent trade associations that would be very, very willing to partner with you. So it doesn't have to be extremely difficult, but generally those types of releases get anywhere between eight and 14 articles, different mm-hmm. unique articles written about you based off of that uh, survey. And the important thing is just to realize that you're not speaking for your industry forever. You're just taking their temperature on today, how they feel about certain things. And there mm-hmm. are things right now that a lot of people would be interested in. It's like, are people spending, Spending more, spending less, or you know, are they having hiring pains? Are they hiring less, hiring more? You know, going to remote. You know, how what what's it look like? Because a lot mm-hmm. of people are trying to figure this out 
post-pandemic, and uh, they would love to get some numbers that you're, you're going through something that they're going through. And it, it just makes people feel like they're on the same page. Yeah, interesting. So if if I was thinking of, of doing some type of a press release and I took the, you know, the the survey route, how would I, I mean, obviously you want it to be relevant to whatever your industry is, but do you want that survey to be, I guess, directly uh, related to whatever it is that you do. So like you, you mentioned, you know, are people having hiring problems? Let's say that I'm a headhunter, right? So, you know, having hiring problems and a headhunter would, you know, fit hand in hand, obviously. But let's say I make, you know, I make some kind of a widget and, you know, we're having a hard time finding employees to be able to work for us. Would it really have much of an impact if we release that kind of a survey you know, when it's not really our industry, you know, we're just- I would, I would stick with your industry. So if you're producing a particular widget, what would the customers of that widget find interesting in a survey? And so I would build it for your customers or your audience base, because if you do, and it goes to the media, it's going to reach the media that runs content for your customers. And Mm -hmm. I have had people do surveys that don't align with their customer base because they had other goals. Mm -hmm. The company is a local auto repair shop in Pennsylvania that was looking for links for SEO purpose. And their SEO consultant said, if you could get auto trade publications to report about you, those links would be like very valuable because they're very industry specific. And so we did a survey for them and uh, they got, uh, I think over 10 auto trade publications picked it up and probably about 20 newspapers as well, including their local newspaper, which I told them probably wouldn't happen, but you know, their, their goal was different, but I always say you want to align yourself with the goal of getting in publications that your customers read and, you know, people in your industry read. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Do you have any type of framework or anything like that to create, you know, interesting questions for, you know, surveys for your? I do have a little bit more information where I talk about these eight strategies that get, you know, do press releases that are meaningful. And it's for free. I'm trying to get my customers to go through it. And it's at ereleases.com forward slash plan, P-L-A-N. The, 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 the bulk of it is behind a, a one hour video, but there's a lot of supporting information. And I also drip stuff to people going through all eight of the processes and, and how to do it. And I think that would help a lot of people, you know, really get a good understanding of things that they could be doing that are yeah. more newsworthy, the, you know, not the types of releases that I'm really seeing when people are in buying decision mode and the release is already written. Hey, it's Matt. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that I've been involved in the multifamily real estate realm for a while. It's something that I truly, truly enjoy, and I wanted you, my listeners, to be the first to know about something new coming out. We're calling it the MultiWiser Deal Room. It's a community of individuals just like you who want to get wise about multifamily real estate investing, developing, and even owning and managing your own complexes. You'll be able to network with people from all sections of the industry, from investors looking for deals, project managers looking for investors, real estate brokers, property management agencies, contractors, remodeling experts, finance gurus, you name it, we're going to have it in the network. I've been at this for a while, and I know it takes a community to make just one of these projects happen. And the MultiWiser Deal Room is my attempt to shorten your learning curve and get you plugged into leading experts fast who can help you close your own deals. 
We start off with a video glossary of over 150 commonly used terms to increase your understanding and help you get moving. Also included in the community are training videos to help you be successful, like how to put together a pitch deck, build a team, and so much more. We're going to have live interactive Zoom calls where you can ask your questions and learn from people who are actually out there in the industry doing it. For more information, go to multiwiser.com. And because yep. you, you, we, you know, we can't go, we can only go back so much to try and make it newsworthy. And at the end of the day, I think the releases that do very well are those that sort of understand that a journalist is a gatekeeper and you're trying to put a message out there that's compelling enough that that journalist wants to share it with their readers or their mm -hmm. audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes, that makes sense. What about mistakes that a lot of people are making when they, when they do these press releases? Obviously you said, you know, keep it, keep it on topic in that, but you know, are there things that you see, you know, time and time again, that, that are like, oh, you know, that you can tell right away, that's not going to do anything. You know, any, any advice there on what not to do? Right. So if you have a personnel change, like uh, you have a new hire, you could write a release, you can put it on your website, maybe share it with your local newspaper in a, in a trade publication, but I wouldn't spend money sending it out. Because mm -hmm. you know you want to spend money sending out stuff that's got a, a stronger likelihood of getting media pickup, press releases that really served you more than the journalist. You know, going back to trying to reverse engineer something that's compelling for a journalist, those type of releases don't do very well. And unfortunately, I think the bulk of releases are written uh, from a standpoint of me. This is what I want. This is what I want, I'm announcing, and this mm -hmm. is I I own this. And I think that at the moment that you can sort of come at it detached and say, yes, we're the company, you know, we're releasing this content, but here's why it's compelling. This is why it's relevant for our customers. Here are case study uses, use studies of, of why this product works so well. And here's quotes from a customer who saved $7,000 through efficiency using our product. You know, all of those types of things build a good story. And so if you can come at it as more of a story and being authentic, I think you'll have a much uh, higher pickup rate when you do send out your, your releases. Mm -hmm. and, and what does that pickup rate look like? What is, how do you know, you know, how many people have written about it or how many articles there are out there? Are they, are these reporters or whoever it is that's picking it up? Do they reach out to you and say, hey, I want to you know, write about this. So here's right. the piece, you know, we, we wish occasionally that happens, but most of them just get turned into articles and get published. If you go to Google News and do searches on your company that picks up about a third of it, okay. another f half of it gets picked up through Google Web, because there are a lot of the web uh, news sites that aren't in Google News are in Google Web. And one of the advanced search features on both the news and the web is you can select dates. So, you know, you're not interested in web pages that existed before you launched the press release because, yeah. you know, that had nothing to do with the press release. So by defining that date and keeping on top of it, you can winnow down on the web pages that came after that and the news pages that came after that. That picks up probably about 80 to 90 percent of it. There's still some of it that you're just going to find out looking at your logs to your website, you know. If you have a contact form, how'd you hear about us? You occasionally get people referencing things like that. There are clipping services out there, but they're not for small businesses and entrepreneurs. You can easily spend two to $4,000 a month on monitoring, and it could take mm -hmm. four to five months for, from a press release for you to get all of your uh, pickups. So it, it's really not 
you know, cost effective. I, I challenge people to try to create a one-year PR campaign for under $2,500, which is very doable using a service like e-releases and, you know, writing the release yourself or or drafting the release yourself. But I, I would never say spend that kind of money on monitoring. That's more for the Fortune 500 and the much larger companies to, to do that. But it, it is it is difficult to to monitor, but it's one of those things that, you know, look at all the variables. I have customers who occasionally get pick, uh, pick up that they're aware of, but mm-hmm. they also say our, every time we do a press release, our revenue boosts and we convert more sales. And so we know it's out there. It's just a matter of tra- trying to track down where it goes. Yeah. And so it, it, you know, tracking and is, is, something that's really divided on the web privacy cookies you know referring links and all that stuff it's it's becoming harder and harder to track but i think that you know just using best efforts uh, google web search google news search and you know having on your contact form how did you hear about us or your new customer intake how did you hear about us will bring a lot of people forward that you know will just tell you i, I read about you in this publication or i heard about you on this podcast or or, or whatever it may be yeah. Do they, do you often say, you know, provide a, a call to action for the, the, the reader or the you know person who's consuming the content, meaning, you know, enter in your email address or give us a call here or say that you, you know, read it in this, you know, in this press release. Does that, is that a, a way to be able to sort of, you know, link those? It's very know? rarely that those call to actions will get put into an article, but that being said, I've seen some that work very well, and that's white papers. If you have a very newsworthy white paper, you've introduced it with numbers and statistics like, hey, 74% of the people in this industry are dealing with identity theft. And here is a white paper on how to prevent that for you or whatever your audience is or something like that, that, that they're very likely to share that. And that's a way to collect people. But it has to be something meaningful in exchange for the email for a journalist to incorporate and include that in an article. Because mm-hmm. if it's just a call to action in the article for a journalist, it's generally geared towards that journalist. Like if you want to download a product sheet about the product for more information, not knowing what is going to interest them, then you know you would link to a PDF or something like that as a, as a call to action. But just a, a normal opt-in or a sales call to action generally doesn't get translated from a press release into the article. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how much work is it, you know, using, let's, let's say using your system, how much work is it to, to go ahead and provide a, a press release or, or to create a press release that, you know, has a good chance of getting picked up. Like, you know, we, our goal is to be able to, to get as much, you know, as much reach and, and publicity as what we possibly can you know, is that, is that a, you know, a month long process? Is that a, you know, a few week long process? And, and that's, you know, if it's, let's say I'm not a writer, I'm trying to to hire you, hire someone to, to write this press release. I'm, I'm obviously going to have to provide, you know, certain bits of information, all of that, how many, you know, iterations of that, that release does it go through? I'm just curious from a timing perspective, you know, if we, if someone has something that they want to promote, like how, how, how long before that do they need to start planning this out to be able to produce a good piece that has a good chance of, you know, being popular? Right. So I always tell people that when you're looking at PR and press releases that you want to do a PR campaign of six to eight releases. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense to measure whether PR works for you and by doing one press release, especially if it's one that you just came up with without going through my eight 
uh, strategies for newsworthy press releases. Mm -hmm. And so many people do judge PR on, I've got one really important thing to me, and I'm going to send the release out, nothing happens, and then they feel PR doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. And and yet people in their industry are getting picked up, you know, here and there by doing stuff that engages the media and interests them. So the amount of time it takes, generally, if you're writing the release yourself, it might be two to six hours per release. If you're doing a survey or study, you're going to add some more time because you're going to have to come up with really great questions. Yeah. Uh, you're going to put it in Survey Monkey, and then you're going to partner with a trade association unless you have your own audience to send it to. And then you're going to take the analysis of that and find out what was the interesting, what was the aha moments in this survey? What surprised us? Mm -hmm. And then you're going to want to put some really compelling quotes in the press release about why you feel that the survey skewed one way or the other. And, uh, and then, you know, that again, might take a couple of hours for the drafting of it. We do offer writing services, but what most people will find is that uh, if you go through a questionnaire in preparation for someone else to write it, you've done 80% of the work. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. assembly of the content isn't really that difficult. So I do challenge people to try it. A lot of people might just use us the first time until they, they see how it works. But it, it's not something that should have to take a considerable amount of time. You could do you know six releases over a year, one every other month. And mm -hmm. like I said, probably... You you know, including a survey, that one might take a couple of days, but, you know, the other ones are probably two to six hours minimum for, you know, coming up with something that's really interesting and compelling. The, the, the hard part that most people don't do and the effort that they don't ex expend is that strategic part, that brainstorming for what can we say that's newsworthy, that's different than everybody else, you know. There are blind spots in every industry, and they work so well for getting media attention. We we had a, a local carpet company in New Jersey engage with us, and I, I took their money for five months, and they got no pickup. And I said, I don't think this is working. I, you know, I did tell you in the beginning, I thought your odds of pickup were really low, and I we just brainstormed and, and I found out that their biggest enemy was the big box home improvement stores, not mm -hmm. other local carpet companies. And they said, we can compete with other local carpet companies, but these big box home improvement stores, they hire people who are uh, basically licensed in home improvement and they may have never installed carpeting before and they don't care and they never know who's going to do it because they just have a pickup list and say who's available tomorrow to install yeah. flooring and they may have never installed flooring before ever and so that's the people that they have to 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 really fight. So we did a press release about that and we got picked up by more floor trade publications uh, than we realized existed. I think over a, a dozen different ones picked it up and we continued to talk about marketing and, you know, David Goliath thing. It continued mm -hmm. to work. So mm -hmm. we ended up getting around 30 articles across those dozen publications over us, uh, the remaining six months in their one-year contract. And we also got uh, newspaper pickup in their community and New Jersey Magazine picked it up as well. And what they did and what a lot of people don't do is they took all the clips from being picked up and put them in a binder. And every time they go out and give someone a quote, they oh, skim yeah. through that and they say, look, you know, we may not come in the cheapest, but we've been picked up by Floor Trade Weekly. We've been picked up here. Here we are in New Jersey Magazine. Here we are in the local newspaper. Mm -hmm. And people are going to say, 
I, I, I'm not, I, I'd rather go with someone that's $400 more if I feel like, you know, I can really trust them and there's a, a big authority there. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, you know, this kind of PR can be used as sales collateral. And I always tell people when you do a press release, even if you don't get pickup, share your message with your customers, share your message with your leads. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so easy for a lead who's on the fence to see a press release and say, this is a company that's putting out content on, you know, what's what they're doing and developing. I, I feel a little more comfortable giving them my credit card. You know, yeah. it, 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 it lowers the threshold of them being on the fence of like, is this a reputable company to work with? Is this someplace I should be spending my dollars? And so I think that's why so many people who do press releases see an uptick in sales when they don't necessarily see all of the articles that get published. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. Would you say that there's any industry that would maybe not be a good industry to to do press releases in because i mean you you just went through a carpet you know a carpet supplier i wouldn't think that you know carpet suppliers would have all that terribly much to talk about but apparently they do so right so the industries that do very poorly are those that are restricted by the newswire for example they have a lot of problems with vitamin supplement companies there's a lot mm-hmm. of claims that are made so they're very restrictive of, of the alternative health industry. And we just can't work with those types of of press releases because of that. There are probably some out there that are very hard to get attention. We had someone in the what is it? Cybersecurity space. Mm-hmm. And they, they found it very difficult to break through because there, it was so the things that were interesting, the industry didn't want you bringing to light. Uh, and, yeah, and so yeah. they, they, they found that some of the things that they thought were most newsworthy just fell on deaf ears because people in the industry didn't want to promote it. And a lot mm-hmm. of it was about vulnerabilities that basically every website has. And they're like, we really don't want to shine a spotlight on that. But you, know, my challenge to the customer was, I'm sure there are things in your industry that they're willing to talk about and that mm-hmm. they do find interesting. And, uh, you know, it does take work and brainstorming to try and figure that out. Uh, but I always tell people, when you go to a conference and you start talking to someone in your industry, you're always comparing notes on certain things. Mm-hmm. And often, if those are things that aren't talked about in your industry, those are ripe for mentioning in a press release because it turns out it might be one of those industry blind spots. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes that makes perfect sense. So, so I guess just be a little bit more mindful as to what types of conversations you're having with other people in your industry, and there's probably some good golden nuggets. You know, right? Stories. The, yeah. The, the media loves stories. I I had a cut. A lot of my customers, being really small, like to appear larger than they are. And mm-hmm. I've had some of them who just tell me some really embarrassing things that happened to them. And I'm like, I would share that. And they're just like really apprehensive. But one person uh, shared a story about how they, they had to cancel Thanksgiving and fill their garage with uh, boxes and do a big shipping because they got an influx of sales they weren't expecting and they were just operating out of their home. And yeah. I said, that's a, that's a really cute story. I would put it in there and they got picked up by Inc magazine uh, oh, because wow. that, that anecdote is something that a lot of growing businesses can, uh, sure. uh, you know, relate to. And so I, I do challenge people to, to just be authentic and be yourself. You don't have to appear as a large corporate client. The mm-hmm. journalists don't like really putting the spotlight on large corporate corporations. They love to put it, put it on the small new discoveries, the, the startups, the, mm-hmm. the people who are, are just getting started or, you know, just trying to, to build some traction in, in your industry. Talk real quick about what it is that you would need to 
to make a press release? Again, taking your platform, for instance, I mean, is it just upload, uploading a document or what is that? What is yeah. that deliverable look like? It generally looks like a Word document. Um, you can include images, but don't put them in the Word document. I mean, you can, but they get stripped out. You'd want to send them a separately because the Word program takes an image and, and reduces the quality of it. So it's not really applicable for, like, say, magazines and places to use. So you'd want mm-hmm. to, we, we off, well, allow people to upload it separately, and then it gets put together by the Newswire. You know, you can embed a YouTube video, but it's not necessary that you do that. I do think that that is something that's going to grow over time because it seems like video is just becoming more prevalent. And yeah. I think that people are, are migrating to that. I'm not sure what a video press release will look like, but I, I find it really interesting to think about it and brainstorm with other people in the PR space about what it could be and what it could look like. And I, I think that's really interesting. And, in a, you know, in addition to that, it, it's... Uh, you know, that, that's pretty much it, you know, up to two images and, and the Word document. Uh, mm-hmm. I always tell people to, to try to put an image in there, even if it's a candid shot. Uh, a lot of places like the candid shots that don't look like they were, you know, stock photos and things like yeah. that. So if you have someone, a customer who's used your product and have, have an image of them, that could work as long as you have permission from them, you know, to, to, to issue it or to, to use it. And I I think that uh, it's a it's a really good opportunity because so many online only sites realize that people are becoming more visually aware of mm-hmm. things and they're moving away from text, so they like to have those images to to you know boost the. Uh, the 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 story and if they have two story ideas and one doesn't have a picture and one does they're going to be more likely to use the one that does because that's just more things that they can use to try to draw people in yeah yeah no that makes perfect sense are you is there anything that you would you know suggest to make yourself uh stand out more you know well actually i guess you, you mentioned newswire this is kind of where this is all coming out i'm i'm picturing newswire is just basically this collection of you know potential stories that that reporters go through and and right so so pr newswire which is the wire that we use there's three real wires in in the u.s and pr newswire is the oldest and largest they're like a, a depository of these releases they create feeds so a journalist has a login to pr newswire or I think they used to have dedicated feeds in the newsrooms, but I don't think they're doing that much anymore, Mm -hmm. but uh, they would log in. They might be a fashion editor. And so she would look at just the, everything is tagged fashion, but here's the great thing about it. There's customization. That person can say, I don't cover like ready to wear. I'm more, you know, high fashion and stuff like that. So they can put certain keywords in there that they want to tag certain designers. And they can also put things to exclude. So if it mentions Kmart or, you know, a lot of these retailers Mm -hmm. that, you know, really don't apply to what their market is. And so they can make it a very customized feed for them. And that's the real value of a newswire uh, in that they can get very specific content that's really geared towards them. And, you know, that makes it so much more likely that they're skimming something that's relevant for them that they would then want to turn into a story. Yep. Yep. That makes sense. And do you have to post your your keywords and all of that or the you know what categories you want to, to be shown in it, it takes it all from the content well you get to choose the categories so your okay. industry uh, uh 
you know, stuff, but you don't put keywords in there. They use just the content of the release uh, for, for picking it up. So you do want to make sure that your, your keywords are in your press release just naturally. Um, You're not trying to game a system or anything like that because it it appears basically uh, as as it's published so the most recent stuff at the top and everything below as long as you know if they're using keywords for inclusion or exclusion as long as those words appear in your copy you're much you know you're likely to appear in their feed yeah no that makes sense mickey this is fantastic if people want to learn more about you your products your services how would they reach out and get in touch Sure. So um, e-releases.com is the website. We have uh, a phone number and chat. Uh, You'll only speak to editors. We don't have any salespeople. And we walk people all the time through their first press release and their first PR campaign. And uh, I do recommend that you go check out the eight strategies for, you know, building a a winning PR campaign. And that, again, is at e-releases.com forward slash plan. All my social media is on my website in the lower right. Uh, That LinkedIn is me directly and I do eventually respond to LinkedIn. So that's if you need to reach me personally, that's a good way. Love it, love it. Mickey, thank you for the time. And uh, I've learned a hell of a lot about you know press releases. I, I've tried press releases before and I'm in the camp that I, I, it never worked for me, but I know that I didn't do it nearly to the, to the uh, uh, effect that you had described here today. So I'm gonna have to go back and revisit that and we'll visit your, uh, your website here and you know try to, try to get some more publicity ourselves so thanks again for the time and uh look forward to seeing more from you you're very welcome thanks for listening and remember pass the secret sauce